Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. We begin today uh, with the Safina Society, Nothing But Facts live stream. And today, I want to open up with something that's uh, really, really interesting. It's a New York Times article entitled, The Curious Hole in My Head. Gives us a perspective on, or like a fresh view on how we view science in relation to, you know, the other elements of our life. Science to us is one of the signs of Allah's knowledge. It's, it's, it's an indicator of knowledge, and a dead thing cannot have knowledge. So uh, and knowledge must be possessed by an agent, or by, maybe that's, or, uh, 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 must be possessed by a living being. Otherwise, it's just information. What we see here when we study science is we see patterns that are amazing. And then we see adaptation right, to aberrations that's also amazing. And that's creative knowledge. And that's what we call Allah's name, Al-Badi'ah. He, he brings you something you never imagined. Okay? And so this article has that there was a woman. She was born and she had a... Uh, Perinatal stroke. What does that mean? Perinatal stroke is basically that in the womb, her brain started bleeding. Now, of course, this is such a fragile time that it ended up causing the uh, in her in her brain a hole. That part of her brain did not develop at all. She was told she would never speak. She would never be able to conceptualize anything. And she would be in an institution her entire life. That's what they told the parents. Okay. But she could go home as a baby. And eventually, though, she's not going to hit the targets that are necessary. And in the beginning, she didn't hit any targets. So, for example, what, are the, what is a target for a baby? Uh, grabbing the thumb. Right? There's a certain uh, strength by which you grab the thumb. What's another target for a baby? Uh, uh, sucking is the other thing that they know. So what do babies know how to do? They know how to suck, right? They know how to grab onto uh, a finger. So these are like very basic. She wasn't hitting any of these targets, okay? But she could go home, and eventually they're going to have to check up on her every month, and she's going to eventually have to be institutionalized. She can't talk. Who knows if she can hear? And she definitely will, will be essentially uh, uh, brain damaged, Month after month, she starts catching up with every milestone until she reached a point where she is no different than any other kid. Okay. All right. So while the language skills, the doctors were most worried about language skills because that's the part of the brain they said that was affected. Okay. So there were thousands of people who had similar situations. And all of them came up. They could not speak. Okay. She says, my childhood memories are just all researchers following me around with pens and clipboards. Okay. Her brains were scanned several times a year. Okay. And then she, they would give her puzzles to see if, she, if her brain is working. At the end of every test or, or uh, uh, testing session, right, she would gain all the prizes. In other words, they say, okay, if you could put Match all the colors, we'll give you a cookie. She gets a cookie. Like, in other words, she's hitting everything. Okay? Then, 
she's nine years old, and they thought to themselves, okay, well, maybe something's going to be different if she gets exhausted. So, for example, maybe she's okay when she's alert, but if she gets tired, how is her brain going to function? They told her to keep the girl up all night. So her mom got some, some Chinese food, and they started watching movies all night to keep the girl awake all night, and then wake her up early the next day to see, you know, how does she act when she's tired? Because that's really where the brain is affected most. She gets into the clinic half awake. She's exhausted, okay? They took the electrodes all over her scalp, all right? And she was asked to do tasks. And she fulfilled all the tasks, all right? Everything was normal. After a while, they allowed her to sleep, and then they tested her brain while she was asleep, and they want to see what their brain looks like when she's tired. So she wasn't like the other kids in the study. There were other kids who had perinatal strokes and had holes in their brain at the same time. But when she was around 15, right, she has been hitting all the targets for so many years. They actually started to question if, this is, if she actually had a stroke or not. Because not, none of the targets are being missed here. Okay? It's like there's no point in her being in the study anymore. So they actually asked, quite frankly, you know, what, what actually happened? And we have to go check, and then we might not even be part of the study anymore. So what they discovered was that other parts of the brain picked up what was missing in the other parts. So she has, like, let's say... I don't know, I'm just saying uh, 85% of her brain, physically. And that 15% is supposed to cover, let's say, language. I'm just throwing numbers out there. They said the language was picked up by other parts of the brain. So what that totally threw off was the commonly known uh, concept that certain parts of the brain affect certain behaviors. So this is the effect of breathing, uh, 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 the hearing. This affects the speaking. This part affects the decision-making. said that a part of her brain was taken out, other parts picked it up. Right? which was really an amazing uh, uh, discovery for them. But what, for, what, the point that I want to make for us is that we do not have a conflict between science and the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but we do have a limit that we don't put predictions of the future okay, that are negative. We don't allow those to affect us. Like we, don't, we, 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 we don't make ourselves believe those. Because once you do, you're really closing the door on a lot of al-badia, the creative creator. Right? He creates creatively, brings something new that you never imagined. And that's what part of our iman, al-badia. He will bring you something new, find a solution that you never thought of before. Bring two opposite things, or not two, two what you seem to be impossible, bring them together in a manner that you couldn't imagine before. And that's where uh, we put a limit on ilm, uh, that ilm which they call science, right? We, we put a limit on science in that respect. So she's out of the study, right? But she became consumed herself with neuroscience because this is obviously what she grew up with, okay? And she started taking internships and she started to look at her own case files, her own studies, all right? And eventually, they said, you were the worst participant, right? Because you threw off all the data. 
all the data is saying. So now we, we start to get into some psychological things where when you tell a parent, oh, your kid's never going to speak again. Well, then that parent starts to treat that child as if they're never going to speak again, right? So how do we know? There is always a level where how do we know that something is a predictive negative versus a brought on negative? And we in the Sharia, we accept predictive positives, but not predictive negatives, right? We just don't accept them, right? It's, it's in, in a sense, it is a type of, of part of the teaching of the Prophet wasallam that he doesn't like uh, false superstitions or negative tasha'um, you know, negative views on things. And he likes optimism. Of course, scientific things are not c- comparable to superstitions. One's based on knowledge, one's based on chance, but uh, or anything that's not knowledge, but the negative outcome is still expected in both cases. That negative outcome is where we draw the line as Muslims. And we say, no, 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 listen, tell me what's going on, tell me there's a hole, tell me there's bleeding, tell me whatever. Don't tell me right, that I have a limit going forward. Right? And that's where we believe in al-Badi'ah. Okay. So her mentor died. Her colleagues would go on to publish many studies on perinatal strokes. And in a 2012 paper, they found that babies suffering these strokes, they have a risk of higher attention, behavior problems, cognitive problems. Right? From 1983 to 2006, they did all these studies. Um, she, in contrast, went to college, majored in neuroscience, became a writer, graduated, right? spent two years studying in la- uh in labs, all right, and she continued, and she's now, you know, in, in the field. She's in the field that she was once a subject in, now she is herself an observer. So it goes on, but that's the summary of the story, where um, her brain picked up, they filled in roles that they weren't actively or usually uh, filling in. So that's something I wanted to start with. I thought that was a really interesting uh, case and an important case uh, to, to compile part of our examples of m- the many times that negative predictions, they didn't turn out to be true. So we shouldn't limit ourselves with such negative predictions. All right, let's now turn to a quick question from Abid Niaz. Does the Sharia say anything about karma? Well, what is karma, first of all? Uh, karma is simply a Sanskrit word that gives the meaning of what goes around comes around. That concept exists, I believe, in all cultures because humans observe it. Like you, you can't not observe that in many cases in life you see what goes around comes around and you see someone who, for example, maybe made fun of, uh, of a type of person. Well, the same affliction hits him later in life and we all see it. Right, so I think it exists in all cultures, but if we want the Sharia and if we want our revelation to confirm our culture, we do have a confirmation from the Messenger, peace be upon him. Kama tadi'inu tudan, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Do what you wish, as you this hadith qudsi. Do as you wish. What you uh, give around will come back to you. Inna da'ira tadur." It's like what go, literally what goes around comes around. The circle goes around. That's what it literally means in Arabic. The circle goes around. Right? And what you give out, you will get. 
It's the same exact concept. But sometimes these concepts, we just it gives us more uh, comfort to know that revelation has affirmed it. And here we have an affirmation from the Prophet wasallam that what goes around comes around. And a further affirmation from the Salihin is that the closer a person is to Allah, the shorter the circuit. So that if I did something bad, the Salihin would say very quickly, it would come back to me. Why? Because Allah wants to keep his slate clean. As a, a, a blessing for this person, he gets a kafara for his sin right away. Right? And if someone is far from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that thing is delayed. It's delayed for one of two reasons. A, to give him a chance to repent, because he's not someone who repents often. And if he was given the signal, uh, the, the, if it was to come back to him, he wouldn't make the connection that this is because of that. Or, so that's one thing, he can repent. Or, if he doesn't repent, then it's a punishment for him. Because it will happen so far later down the road, he'll almost forget. And he won't even know that this is the punishment of my action. So, it has been noticed that when someone is near to Allah, that their bad actions they have an immediate result. One of the Salihin said, every time I do something wrong, I commit some sin, I, uh, I'm distant from Allah, I feel it in my household. My wife, she gets argumentative. She, she gets unhappy. She gets, uh, uh, has friction with me. So he sees it in his wife all the time. This is one of the early salaf who said this, right? Uh, I think you can find this in Qushayri's um, Risala. Uh, uh, it's one of the biographies where he says, I see it in my wife, right? In my ahl. They call the wife the al-ahl. So that's one of the important things that, that we have and believe in is that um, what goes around comes around. When you're near to Allah, it's a short circuit. It happens right away to clear your, uh, your slate off. I think one distinction, though, because yeah. I remember I used to be into this before I was a Muslim, is that like Buddhists and, and Hindus, they justify it as this like, egocentric type of thing. So the distinction that we make is that the, the doer is Allah. Yeah. And also, if we say we believe in this, it's only metaphorical belief. Mm-hmm. Because the cause and effect that we see here isn't, isn't actually just habitual. And it's important to know that when, when in, in the Arabic language, when you attribute a verb to a subject, you can be attributing it as the source or the middleman. For example... Rizq is not rizq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the Quran says, and there's hadith of the Prophet saying, Narzukukum, we give you rizq. But we know that the rizq is from Allah. But Allah attributes it also to the middleman. So the, the, the also, Quliyatawafakum malakul maut, who takes lives? It's not Allah who takes lives, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the angel of death takes your life. Quliyatawafakum malakul maut. Right? So when we say a verb, and this also, uh, we, we are attributing that verb either to the source or to the middleman. And this again is basically comes up in the topic of istighatha, why it is not shirk or kufr. Asking people for help. Asking manaika uh, in that hadith, Ya ibadallah a'inuni. How is that not shirk? Because asking for help is a shirk if you misunderstand the source versus the middleman, right? So if you understand that I'm asking somebody as a middleman, a sabab, or an agent that Allah created, and we're commanded to use these agents that Allah gave us, then, uh, it's, then it's not shirk at all. It's mandub, actually. It could be either mubah or mandub. 
Same thing with medicine. Believe that, I think people uh, uh, forget istighatha. Uh, when people take medicine, they really ask them, is it the, really the, the aqidah towards medicines? Okay, of course, technically everyone believes, no, this is just the agent that Allah created. But the way people treat it, it's like there's no other agent. There's no other way that it could be cured. There's no other way I could survive without this medicine. They get extremely attached, overly attached to these things. And that's why part of tasawwuf is breaking attachments. It's not a good habit for someone who knows these things are, are just agents of Allah's will to get attached. So, oh, I can't sleep without five things, right, all at the same time. It's like, wait a second, you've you got to start disbelieving in these things a little bit. Allah can bring you the same result through different things. Okay. Khadija Asif mentions in terms of compensation the phantom limb phenomenon, which is very interesting. I, my theory on the phantom limb is that it's the soul, the ruh. So your ruh has come into all of your body, right? And so it's taken the, it take, the ruh takes the form of a body. You cut that limb off now, but that ruh was, was there, right? So it's almost like it's still there. That's just my theory on it. All right, what suit are we on today? And as we begin Surah Al-Alaq and of course this will probably take us a couple uh, sessions and it is now time check 150 so we'll go for a little bit then we'll take Q&A we'll be wrapped up by 3.30 inshallah or even before that maybe اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق قال أكثر المفسرين على أن هذه أول سورة نزلت من القرآن. Of course, there is no doubt that this was the first revelation. Okay. اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق. Five ayahs of Surah Al-Alaq are the first ayat, and the first. Let's take a look very specifically. What is the first? Nature of the word, it's a command. It's a command. Okay. And this is so important to, to contemplate. It's, from, it's telling us basically, you have a creator who's going to be giving you commands. When the first interaction is an order. But what kind of order is it? It's an order that clearly benefits you. Read. Nobody uh, sees a parent forcing their kid to study, except that they must say, uh, uh, understand a couple of things. He wants good for him. Right? Study. Uh, your parents looking 12 years down the line that this kid will be a doctor or whatever. Right? So, it's in order, yes. So we are con- creatures who have a creator, who is a rub, who's not just a creator, and he left us. That's deism. Yeah, he's a creator and he's monitoring us and he wants benefit for us. You get all of that just from one word, iqra. That the first revelation is, unlike I think the Bible is let there be light. It's a narration about the creation. But this one is much more direct and it's singular. Read. It's not saying iqra'u, all of you read. No, he's talking to you. Read. You, read. Get educated. But education is useless if it is not geared 
and centered around the creator. Why? Because he's the source of all this knowledge that we're studying. What is the point of knowing all the uh, things that Allah created but not knowing the creator? And that's where Bismi Rabbika Alladhi Khalaq is so important. Okay, because knowledge is useless without context, right? Which context? Earthly context? What about heavenly context? So we always forget heavenly context, right? So, well, what's the context? What's, well, the context is also heavenly context. There's a creator here. And that's where anytime knowledge becomes absent from the creator, that knowledge can benefit you or harm you. You could still advance in it, but the result, the consequence of that knowledge is up in the air now. And that's what we see all over the place. Like, people are studying. They're inventing. We got cameras. We're streaming. We're inventing. We got scans. We can know what happens in the womb at levels, right? That unimaginable to pre-modern man. But does it benefit us or does it harm us? That's the question. Uh, Surgery. Are we now using surgery just for our whims and fancies or to, you know, for, for actual benefit? That's the question. Uh, and yeah, the, we could talk a, a lot about the medical field, how a lot of it is not used for the actual benefit of men. How much of pharmaceutical knowledge is used to keep people on a medicine, right? Because that's what, where the profit is. So not, effective medicine, I read a recent study that Effective, the effectiveness of medicine is only one factor in its success. It's the prescribability is the other factor. And that's their sort of a, a type of corruption of the field. So yeah, obviously they have to make money. But when uh, effectiveness is not the number one and only almost okay, goal of the industry prescribability now long term prescribability has now almost maybe you could say, say overtaken effectiveness where a guy's got an illness like this well if we could prescribe him this medicine it'll take away parts of an illness but not enough it'll continue on he'll need it again and he'll need it again and he'll need it again that's the most successful drug right so that is a type of corruption in the illness uh, surgeries the way that we you know, like surgeries in, for us, we are allowed to return to the human being what he was created with, in terms of aesthetics, in terms of beauty, in terms of cosmetics. We are always ar- allowed to return, even if it means becoming better. Let me give you an example: a guy shattered his nose, like he broke his nose in many parts. The doctors told him, "All right, uh, well, get, good luck for uh, uh, good news for you." You get a free rhinoplasty. Insurance is going to cover it. A rhinoplasty is a nose job. So the guy felt a little bit guilty because he had, as we all do, a little bit of bumpy nose, right? So he said, wait a second, is this halal for me to do? Shiyukh said, yes, it's halal for you to do. Why? Because the intent here is to return to you what you lost. But there's no way to do it except improving it. So he goes from having a totally broken, uh, a regular nose with bumps and everything, and no, very few noses are perfect, right? You see a perfect nose, it's a rhinoplast. Allah has created the dunya like that. Like it's attractive, but there's always something different about it, right? Little imperfections here and there. He shattered it so badly, 
the doctors told him, listen, we can't fashion your old nose. This is impossible. We're going to put your nose together in a perfectly straight line. Because that's what we could do. The shiuch said, yes, it's, it's totally permitted for you. Because you're not doing that from, from where you were. You were at, you're at a loss now. You don't have a nose. Okay? You can't, your nose cannot continue broken in multiple parts. So now you consider it a gift from Allah Ta'ala. Now your nose is even better. Right? So at, maybe that's the, the compensation of the pain that you went through. So in many cases, uh, or the rule of thumb is that the Sharia allows you to return what was lost. But it does not allow you to, to change or to add when there's no loss. Okay? So that's the, the, the basic ruling in... And where's the proof of that in, in the Athar? Is that a man came in to the Prophet ﷺ and he had lost his nose, I guess, in a battle. So they put for him a silver nose. But the silver, it rotted. Right? It didn't last as long. And it began to bother the man. So the Prophet ﷺ told him, take a nose of gold. Because gold will, it will not have a reaction with your body. So here you have a man, they fashioned for him a nose out of gold. So he went from having a nose out of bone and skin to a nose out of gold, which is better, right, than a nose out of bone and skin. So um, that was basically the qiyas that they made, that when there is a need, you may fix the need, okay, with no haraj. And even if the fix improves it, then it's acceptable. How about people's skin? If you got pimples and things all over your skin, you, you end up going to a dermatologist, but you end up taking more, more care of your skin and end up with better skin. So all that is, is acceptable. Okay? So um, that's the idea, is that to return what, was, what Allah had created that was lost, right? Due to whatever reasons. But Allah created you that way. So, point being is that all knowledge, there will be human advancements in knowledge, but that does not necessitate that we get better, or that we use it for what benefits us. I, I, I don't know what laws there are now for what they call um, uh, ableists seeking to have hands removed and arms removed and to be blinded, I think this is a crime. So whatever they do, this is a crime. Of course, uh, same goes for various reassignments where they're doing these things on youth. So now it's like criminal, in my opinion. It's a, it's a use of an immensely valuable knowledge, but used for criminal purposes. So there is a human being. You want to summarize? Advancement is in knowledge. Knowledge is in reading. And we all are standing on the shoulders of thousands of people's efforts and work, which whom we don't even know. Some, once to, I used to have a student when I was teaching at an Islamic school. I used to teach high school at an Islamic school. And he said, why were the people before us dumb? Right? We get smarter every time. I said, no, we're not getting smarter. We are, we are standing on their shoulders. Okay? You take, I think personally speaking, IQ is pretty much the same. Human being, human IQ is the same. It's the circumstance and the information you have that differs. So you take any person today, take, take a thousand people today, delete their memories completely, all right? 
throw them into an arena, uh, an island, which was just like the earth was when it was first, you know, when first human beings inhabited the earth. They're going to follow the similar trajectory, right? Their concerns will be the same concerns. They're going to have the same limitations. My personal belief is the human being, essential, the essential component of the human being is the same from the time of Adam to now, right? Except that we're on the shoulders of hundreds of years of innovations, right? And discoveries. So we might, we are, our results are far more astounding than previous people's results. But we ourselves are the same, right? If we were swapped and you were to take, let's say, the fourth generation of human beings, put that baby in 2021, and take one of our babies and put him back there. You got the same thing. You have the same result. All right? So, um, it's one of those things where he, human being, it's an illusion to think that we're any better. No, we have a better result because of whose shoulders we're standing on. Right. The Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, narrated uh, from Umm al-Mu'mineen. أنها قالت أول ما بدأ به رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من الوحي الرؤيا with an alif الصالحة في النوم سيد عائشة says the first type of revelation was الرؤيا okay الرؤيا is with an alif الرؤيا with تا مربوطة with a wrapped تا with two dots on it means a vision Okay. And a ra'i with a ya means an opinion. Okay, so all three are visions. An opinion is a vision about things. A ru'ya with a ta marbuta is a vision about things. And a ru'ya with an alif is a spiritual vision. In other words, a dream. So the Prophet kana yara ru'ya ma kana. لا يرى لا يرى رؤيا إلا جاءت مثل فلق الصبح. He would see a vision. The next morning, that thing would the next day that thing would happen exactly as he saw it, and that is a branch, a rare branch of الرؤيا الصالحة. The it's one of the rare branches of more rare visions is that you see something exactly as it is. Okay. Why does that happen? It hap- it's just a tumatnina. It gives tumatnina to it. It's a way that Allah Ta'ala is giving you, uh, cooling, soothing your heart down. I know this is going to happen to you. Yeah. The other type of ru'ya salih, as we said, miraran many times, is that it is the symbolic, short symbolic dream. And that is also a message from Allah Ta'ala, either with good news to come, or a correction about our deen. ثم حبب إليه الخلاء. Then the Prophet, he began to love to be alone. Just want to be alone all the time. فكان يخلو بغار حراء. So his place of خلاء or being alone is, of course, the cave of حراء. فيتحنث فيه وهو التعبد. التحنث is worship. It's, he used to do the acts of worship that were known from the time of the Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam. Okay. Al-layali. 
ذوات العدد many nights and days alright before he would take a break وينزعوا إلى أهلي then go down spend a night or two with his family pack up more provisions and go out again ويتزود لذلك ثم يرجع إلى خديجة فيتزود لمثلها حتى جاءه الحق and he continued on this until he had almost you could say like a streak many many days on end until the angel came to him so if we want to have a connection with the heavens one of the things that we actually have to have a prerequisite is being cut off from the creation and that's why I think that that uh, corona time who benefited benefited greatly spiritually and who didn't benefit was wasted uh a lot of people say that they spiritually benefited so much for this just the simple fact that 90% which is a massive massive number but i think it's true 90% maybe of our stimuli was taken away from us just like that march 19th what was it march 20th here in new jersey state of new jersey was march 20th i remember it very well it was a wednesday there were rumblings about it on tuesday just rumblings we found by Tuesday evening, they announced schools are shut down. Once you shut down the schools, you're shutting down everything because who's going to stay home with these kids? And everything else takes cues from that. So the, the state, you know, their way of you know, sending the message was shutting down the schools. So I, that was, it was a Wednesday. It was either March 19th or March 20th. I can't recall. But there were rumblings about it. And then there were that it would be Thursday. But it ended up being Wednesday. Okay. And subhanAllah Just like that I remember the Dallas Mavericks uh, Were playing a game They were literally in the warm-ups On Tuesday night Warm-ups You got a call And the PA announcer Public address announcer says We're sorry everybody You will be refunded your ticket This game has been cancelled You'll be refunded Go home And the players had to sort of like Sort of cheer on the fans Because you know The fans came out to, to catch a game And they got canceled so everyone just went home it was a shock right but a major things it's crazy how in the world major things happen with very to little preparation the rumblings about corona started in january but i didn't it's not something that most 99 percent of people do not pay attention to it but what does it end up doing it ends up sending us on a, a 18 month absolute no connection to the outside world for 18 months and then for the next six months after that it was like 50 50 and then it was connection but with like masks and stuff like that so uh it was an amazing time period in human history in my opinion and if you benefited the introspection if that introspection for 18 months doesn't benefit a person then i don't know what will what's going to send you back to allah because everything that you thought you lived for was gone Everything that would have distracted you from your problems was gone, right? And so it brought you down to the bare bone of what your reality of your life is. And then you could assess that. And you could either make a change or you could just go deeper into a depression. Uh, is our charger, uh, camera charged, by the way? Good. Yeah. Then the angel came to him and said, so here the Prophet ﷺ, when he cut off 
he got the revelation. He had to cut off from the external uh, uh, forces first in order to gain some kind of insight. And of course, this is way beyond an insight. This is a direct connection. Right? Now, what does Iqra mean here? Read, recite, what does it mean? Because the Prophet, it clearly means one thing for us, but a different thing for the Prophet. Because for us, it does mean read. Read, words, books. But for the Prophet, I said, did not learn how to read. He could have. She surely had the capacity to. But Allah willed for him to remain unlettered, which means the source of his knowledge is not the words of other men. That's why the Prophet is unlettered. Right? Because the words of other men is a downgrade when you are getting the word of the creator of men. If your education is at the hands of the creator, you have no need for the creation. If the, your greatest miracle is the transmission of the book, of the Creator, then reading men's books, or the books of man, could allow people to accuse you of plagiarism. So the Prophet being unlettered has so many wisdoms. I don't recite. Qira'a means recitation as well. Then the he he uh, enshrouded him with a hug okay. and then he squeezed him so tight I've seen this as juhd and jahd then he let me go then he said recite I said I do not recite then he covered me again and he squeezed me until I was exhausted then he let me go and then it happened a third time and then the rest of the time then after the third time he said اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق خلق الإنسان من علق اقرأ وربك الأكرم الذي علم بالقلم علم الإنسان ما لم يعلم That's it. Five A's. فرجع بها رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يرجف فؤاده Heart palpitating. What was that? What just happened? There was no reference point to the messenger for this ever happening. That's very important, the concept of reference points. Like you never experience anything like this. He said, cover me up, cover me up, because he was getting cold and he needed to be brought together. He said to Khadija, what is wrong with me? And he informed her of what happened. He said, I'm worried for myself. That, In other words, spending too much time alone could also have a negative mental impact on people. And they could see other things. Remember, spirituality is not one way. There is a light spirit, a spirituality of light and mercy and truth. And there is a spirituality of darkness and falsehood. Not all spirituality are true. When you say Hindus are so spiritual, they are. It's the wrong spirituality, though. Look at the results. Goblins and jinns and, and, and all sorts of weird creatures. No offense to the Hindu religion, but that's what it is. Well, I don't want to pick a fight, in other words, because we live in our area, it's all Hindus. 
like percentage wise like what is our area right like 25% Hindu Indians North Brunswick is South Brunswick it's more than that South Brunswick's more than that okay South Brunswick may some huh yeah it's like 40% some streets okay it's just all you could smell the even the food right from the homes of coming out of people so uh, I don't want to pick a fight with that but this is what it is those gods you would not want your ch- child looking like that would you right with the he- head of an elephant or a girl if your daughter was born with with six fing- with with a sixth finger she puts her hand up she's got six fingers right would you not go to a surgeon and 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 have it chopped off when she's healthy enough to have a surgery clean it up patch it up make it as if it never happened right or wrong imagine she had an extra arm so why does your god have nine arms you wouldn't want your daughter to have an extra finger. So falsehood is always like that. You attribute it to somehow. And the famous Baqillani, something you wouldn't watch yourself. But the famous Baqillani, he went to debate the Christians. The Christians invited him for a debate, the Catholics. So the Byzantine Christians, the Orthodox, the Muslims had long-standing good relations with them. When the, the Roman Catholics, they wanted to debate so Al-Baqillani goes to debate with them. And he says, how, is, how are your family and children? Because the Byzantine uh, priests, they marry and they have kids, right? The Byzantine patriarchs and their priests, they marry and have kids. So he went there and he said to them, how are your family and children? Just as breaking the ice. They gasped, all of them, Right? And then someone laughed and said, Sir, the priests here, they don't marry or have kids. He said, Why? He said, Because that's impure. He said, Then why do you attribute to God to have a wife and a, ch- a kid? SubhanAllah, you're, you're, that, why, that's a debate right there. The debate's over. Right? And they were like shocked. They never thought of it that way. Okay? So, that's what these, when someone spends too much time alone, it must be monitored. Okay? Because that could lead you to all sorts of levels of insanity. All right? So, the Prophet said, I'm worried for myself. This is such a famous hadith, this section. And the scholars say, this woman was so pure, her mind, her heart, understood Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before even the religion of Islam spread and the Prophet taught the revelation. Because we know that the Arabs, they did have a concept. They know who Allah was, but it was all covered in the idolatry of the pagan uh, uh, worshipping these idols as a path to Allah. But she understood. Now listen to what she said. Kalla, wallahi, ma Allahu abada. Allah Ta'ala will never humiliate you. He will never allow you to be misguided. Listen to the qualities that she mentions, because we also don't want to be misguided, right? We have to adopt these qualities. When I learned this, when I, uh, part of the seerah classes that I took in Yemen was this hadith. They teach seerah in Yemen like no other place in the world. The Habayb love, their love for the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is when, you, when, when someone says, oh, they love the Messenger so much. When you go there, you'll see it, and you will have to admit when you see the habayib 
and their love for the Prophet ﷺ and for his seerah, okay, and for any dhikr of the Messenger, peace be upon him, you will have to put hands down, there's no discussion, this group of people in, in Tarim Yemen, their love for the Messenger ﷺ is far more visible, clear, manifest in many ways than anywhere else. Okay? So, uh, and of course, the whole Ummah loves the Prophet ﷺ. All the scholars love the Messenger, but I've never seen anything like this. So they take the whole lecture is this hadith. Because these are asbab al-himayah min al-khizi. The, the causes, the character traits that will protect us from being humiliated. Humiliated is let go. Let go astray. Okay? Allah will not let you go astray in your beliefs, in your perceptions, in your expectations, in your deen, if you observe these things. Number one. You're good with your family. Okay? You're good with your family. You help people who have a need. See someone with a need, you help them. Okay? The poor, you help the poor. You're good to the guests. This is all basic decency. That's all it is. These things are such, they're little things that just reflect the decency of a person. If there's truth that needs support, you're always there to support the truth. Because sometimes the truth is there, but supporting it is unpopular. Supporting it will cost you in your business, in your reputation, in your friends. Okay. So these are that's it. These are the qualities. You, so it's everyone vulnerable. Like your family's vulnerable to you. Your family's stuck with you. Guest, is, in a sense, is vulnerable. He's in your house. You could be generous to him or not. I can offer him the good cake or I could keep it to myself and eat it after he's gone. I could get up and offer water coffee, tea, and put some effort into this, or I could not. Okay? So, the guest is stuck with you. The needy, the one who has a burden on him, right, and the one who is, is in need of help. Right? All of these, Sayyidah Khadija said, you do all this. Our Creator does not leave to be humiliated. He does not disgrace somebody by letting them go astray or to be fooled by somebody, someone who's so decent. And that's, if you want to be guided, you want to make sure that Allah Ta'ala helps you and aids you and is with you and never lets you go astray, then basic decency is what you need. Okay? And I, I could tell you as an example, I saw a man studied with some of the biggest shiuch in the Ummah of Islam. For over a decade, on a daily basis. But I could also tell you this person did not have these qualities. Did not have these qualities. There would be a person, let's say in the circle, let's say we're all sitting, and a person comes in, is totally new at this, does not have knowledge, doesn't know what's going on, wide-eyed, right? And does not have anything that would be desirable about him, like wealth, 
social capital, nothing. And I would see this young sheikh, he was a young sheikh, I would say, completely give that person zero, zero attention, and in fact, almost enjoy carrying on the discussion with technical terminology and name dropping, he knew that other guy would not understand. It's almost like he enjoyed isolating that person further. And it always hit me the wrong way, but he was the sheikh and he was older than me, and I thought, maybe I'm making a bigger deal than it is. But it persisted and continued until the, to the point that this person, when it came time that he needed like a community to, to stay in, and needed communal support, he couldn't get it. Which ended up making him more and more bitter and isolated. Right? I don't know what, what his situation is, if he figured his life out or not. But all of that knowledge, to me, I guess it was led to kibr, arrogance. But the basic decency wasn't there. And it always bugged me, and it bugged a lot of other people. But we swallowed it. Because he was a great scholar. And he was. And all the hadiths about scholars misbehaving or not practicing their knowledge is not about scholars of the mubtadi'ah. It's not about heretical scholars, like scholars of some sect or group. It's about Ahl-Sunnah. True Sunni knowledge with a great senad, but he doesn't act upon it. Or he just missed it. It's like you missed like some of the most basic things to protect yourself. And he's not protected. He wasn't, he's actually life collapsed. Believe it or not. And I attribute it to a type of kibr. This will break your kibr. All this stuff will break your kibr. And that's why socializing is very important. If I go and I have an achievement, I make a ton of money. Or I go and I gain a ton of knowledge. Some achievement or other. Then family, the needy people, oppressed people, matters of truth hosting guests, all of these things, if I act upon them, they will put cracks in my arrogance until my arrogance breaks apart. Right? Nicely, organically, slowly, without humiliation. Until my my nefs breaks apart. Being a host of guests, that's a big deal. Right? Because you're the servant of the guest. You're working all day so this guy can come, sit on his butt and eat and enjoy himself. Right? having uh, 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 walimas or parties walimas usually people say that for a wedding but in in Arabic it's a general party having dinner parties for people there's a sahabi who said I prefer to have a dinner party for my companions than to spend all day in the masjid because having a dinner party you're working it's sadaqah and it's khidmah it's service so the, the host in a dinner party is the most tired person. He benefits the least. Okay? And he's, in a sense, a servant. He's the most humble of all of them. I remember uh, our executive director, Sammy Kadavik. He went to Morocco. He's not going to mind I tell this story. He was invited by Sheikh Muhammad al-Yaqubi. He said, I was embarrassed. The Sheikh would not stop okay, serving everybody. And he, the Sheikh, Muhammad al-Yaqubi, and Sheikh Yaqubi had said this before in other gatherings. In the masjid, he said it in a class. He said, we have innovated as hosts. How have hosts innovated? He said, today we do something that 
is so far against the Sunnah, and our grand forefathers would, of the scholars would have never allowed it, and that is, we give everyone a plate, and we say, go serve yourself as a buffet. Go take your food yourself. He said, in our day, in other words, talking about his, his father, Sheikh Ibrahim al Yaqubi, there was no such thing as the guest ever getting up, not even to wash his hands. You bought him a bucket, a pitcher of water, usually a fancy pitcher for the guests, and a fancy bowl. You laid the bowl down and you poured the warm water over his hand as he washed his hand. Then you put the water down and you presented him with him a towel. And he dried his hand. You did that before the meal and after the meal. Okay? You bought the bukhud, you brought the rose water to sprinkle around when it was hot. And the food came right to him. He, he was, the, the guests would sit down, would not get up the entire time. Not like today. Oh, you want a drink? The drinks are over there. Oh, go get seconds. Okay? They did not do this. So he was like embarrassed. Sheikh Yaqub, Sheikh coming and giving him food. What would you like? Would you like this? And then lots of different foods, right, that he would bring. And he said he was embarrassed. Like, a sheikh is serving us. But he would refuse to stop. He would have it no other way. That's what real hosting is. Today, you got a host sitting down. I mean, the food's catered. <laughs> no effort was put in this at all. Not to make fun of people. People need to cater food sometimes, right? But, I mean, the host comes in. All right, come on in. The plate's there. You go get it yourself. The food's catered. No one even cooked it. It came from a restaurant. Of course you paid for it, right? So there is some effort there. And you put the food yourself. You finished. You throw the garbage yourself. I mean, so that's the way we have parties today. Which, I'm not making fun of that. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's a little bit different from what the expectation of people used to be. That And why is it that the Prophet say to Khadija saying here, to host a guest well is a source of Allah Ta'ala uh, uh, protecting you from humiliation, right? That you are going out of your way to serve the, for the enjoyment of your 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 guests, and even even if they cater and even if they make you go and it's a great service. I mean, they have went out there, got the food for you, took the time of day out, invited you. All you do is you sit on your uh, on the couch, you enjoyed this food, you get dessert, you get tea, you get a wonderful conversation, see your friends, right? All of that has been done for you, right? So that is, a, that is the khidmah and the service they did for you. So hosting dinner parties is part of our deen. And there's a social element to it as well, right? Like, how is it that, why do we have this marriage crisis? I think, personally, that a lot of it is solved by dinner parties because that's where people start to see each other. It's like, okay, that's where I see that family. All right, I don't want to see them again. It could be, right? Yeah, I don't like the way they, this family acts. Another family, I really love the way they do things. And the conversation was great. We get along. We have the same you know, positions on things. We live the same way. So this is a potential suitor you know, for, for my kid. That's how the community works. And that's why dinner parties are important. Okay. So that's the, there's a social element to that. Uh, there are internships, jobs, knowledge gained by interacting socially over food. So that's the idea behind these five things where these people are vulnerable and you are the giver. You are the helper in a situation you don't have to help. Okay? In a situation where you nobody asked for you to help. Okay? Or required you to help. 
فانطلقت به فانطلقت به خديجه حتى اتت به ورقه ابن نوفل ابن اسد ابن عبد العزى ابن عم خديجه she went to his cousin her cousin okay her cousin was ورقه son of نوفل وكان امرا تنصر في الجاهليه he was somebody who became a christian during jahiliyyah وكان يكتب الكتاب العربي and he used to write the arabic scriptures you know the scripture in arabic فاكتب من الانجيل بالعربيه ما شاء الله ان يكتب he used to translate the bible into arabic وكان شيخا كبيرا قد عمي he was an old sheikh who became blind فقالت له خديجه يا ابن عم او كازن اسمع من ابن اخيك listen from the son of your brother ما يقول why do you say son of your brother age difference okay it's a phrase that you say for age difference فقال له ورقه يا ابن اخي ماذا ترى what did you receive in other words he's as old as your father that's why she said son of your brother because he's who be the prophet so i said would be as the age of your sons for example so he said oh son of my brother what do you have the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam informed him of what he saw waraqa said hadha annamus this is the revelation the angel the law alladhi anzala allahu ala musa which allah brought down to moses the law يا ليتني فيها جذعا I wish I was young ليتني أكون حيا I hope that I am alive إذ يخرجك قومك when your people expel you I wish I was young and I would wish I was alive the day that will come your people will expel you so he believed that the messenger was a true prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم There was no shahada, no concept of saying La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, but he clearly expressed he believed the Prophet is saying the truth and that this was the angel Gabriel, Jibreel. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ أَوَ The Prophet ﷺ said, Will they actually remove me? They will expel me? قَالَ نَعَمْ وَرَقَ says, Yes. لَمْ يَأْتِ رَجُلٌ قَطُّ مِثْلَ مَا جِئْتَ بِهِ إِلَّا عُودِيَةً No man has come with what you have come with, except he was faced with animosity. وَإِنْ يُدْرِكْنِي يَوْمُكَ أَنْصُرْكَ If that day comes, I will give you victory. Okay? أَنْصُرْكَ نَصْرًا مُؤَزَّرًا I will give you strong help. ثُمَّ لَمْ يَنْشَبْ وَرَقَ إِلَّا أَنْ تُوَفِّيَ وَفَتَرَ الْوَحِي Shortly thereafter, Waraqa died and the revelation stopped coming. Fatar al Wahi. A long period of time stopped from the revelation. Yeah. This is one of the most important hadiths that you find at the beginning of many, many hadith books. Right. And in another narration, An Aisha wa Dakar al Hadith wa kala ikra bismi rabbika ladi khalaq hatta balaga malam yalam. وزاد في آخره فقال وفتر الوحي فترة حتى حزن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم The revelation stopped coming until the prophet became sad فيما بلغنا حزنا 
غدا منه مرارا okay he would go far off away from everybody okay he would go to the top of mountains okay right then Sayyidina Jibreel would come and said ya Muhammad innaka rasulullah haqqa he would be so sad at the loss of this revelation that he would go to the top of the mountain and look down until he would hear Jibreel give him some sabr by saying O oh Muhammad you are the messenger of Allah in truth right. then the Prophet would be at peace again and his soul would calm down a little bit because when you're waiting for something so immense so amazing to happen and it's just time is, it's long time is passing you start to get really sad so you need these little reminders these little reminders you're on the truth this is going to happen now why did the Prophet ﷺ have to go through this period well number one to prove to himself and others that it's not an invention of his own mind this is not, as some people say, his mind was under such intense pressure that his imagination created this revelation. This is what some kuffar say, right? All right, well, why couldn't he create it again then? So, to show, to remove any wiswas from anybody, just the suggestion that he was under intense pressure, that his imagination created this. That means someone's delusional. Someone who's delusional can't run a city can't deal with enemies, can't manage wars, can't manage nine households. Someone who's delusional cannot function and lead people to a good life. Right? Did not the Prophet ﷺ lead all of his Sahaba? All of the early Muslims of Mecca, if they lived into the time of Omar, were immensely wealthy because of the message of the Prophet ﷺ that they acted upon and lived upon. That was the result of the Sahaba. This is one of the wisdoms of why is it that the generation of the Sahaba all of them died with immense wealth except if they gave it away or they didn't want it but it was theirs it is to show that the followership of the Prophet does not lead to worldly loss it leads to gain in the dunya all of the to, is to show he cannot be a deluded leader a deluded leader does not he leaves a mess behind him right not wealth not success so how is this a delusion? It's so that the Quraysh can no longer accuse him of inventing the revelation. The revelation stopped three times. This time, it came after Iqra, it stopped. After the challenge of the, uh, the, the, the Jews asked the Prophet three questions, the Prophet said, I'll come back to you tomorrow with the answer. Surah Al-Kahf, 15 days it didn't show up. And they made fun of him. Where is the answer? Where is the revelation? You're proving that it's not from him. Sayyid Aisha was accused. 30 days. No revelation. His own wife was accused. Whom he said, she is, I love her more than anyone else on the earth. He was asked openly, directly by other men. By Amr ibn As. Who do you love most on this earth? He said, Aisha. He said, who after her? He said, her father. This is to prove that the revelation is not from him. It's to remove any doubt that he invented this revelation. How do you invent 
at one point and not be able to invent when everyone's making fun of you to invent, right? So. So every time the, the weight, the waiting would become too heavy on the Prophet ﷺ, then he would get a message from Sayyidina Jibreel like that. And it would cool his, it would calm his weight. There's another reason for this. The, the wahi is so heavy. The burden of what he is going to receive. It's a gift, right? But a gift could be burdensome. It's so heavy, he has to want it. He has to desire it. So what is it? What is one of the things that makes you able to carry a burden? Is desire. And what creates desire? Longing. Longing fuels desire. And you know how hard it is? Many things in life are hard, right? A lot of things in life are really difficult. You can only carry this burden by the fuel of desire. Okay? And desire is so important. So if you have desire, you'll never think twice about the hardships of this. Right? Never think twice. Here's a couple. They couldn't have a kid. They had to wait. I think they waited uh, over a decade to try to have a kid. All the parents whine and complain about kids, right? Except this couple. Everything is a pleasure. Changing the diaper is a pleasure for them, right? Every other normal parent, they marry, have kids. They're all whining and complaining about their kids, right? Like enemies, you ever see, it happens, right? Oh, I lost my favorite toy. Good. Right? So who are you, enemies? They're like enemies in the house now. Oh, my favorite toy fell in the gar- toilet. Good. I'm, I hope you learned a lesson. They're like having a rivalry in the house, the parents and the kids. They loathe each other. Okay? Until something bad happens to the kid, then you remember how much you love him. Then you lose him in the store or something. Then you remember, oh, Habibi. All right, now you love him. But... When you got it quickly and you got kids normally like everybody else, they don't take to the pains of children the same way, right? As those who had to wait and they were deprived and spent years and days and, 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 and big stretches of life going to visits, going to see kids on the street, and then driving home alone. Going to houses and dinner parties and seeing all these kids running around, going to newly born, right? Uh, seeing a newborn baby and driving home alone and sleeping alone that night. They spent years in that state. Now that they have a kid, they don't utter one complaint. Right. So l- desire strengthens you for the burden. And desire is strengthened by longing. Right? That you have a long wait for something. Your desire grows. Okay, And the waiting, though, could also kill your desire. So for that reason, Allah sent the Prophet a reminder that his desire would never die. A reminder, this is true. This is not an illusion. This is not, you didn't miss to see anything. This is the truth. So Sayyidina Judy used to come to him, say salam to him every once in a while to remind him, no, you're on the right track. Keep desiring it because it's going to be heavy. Right? And so the revelation, alayhi salam, uh, it was extremely heavy on the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Time check. It's now two forty.
Uh, notice here, uh, there's a pronoun, a damir, that has been removed, or not removed. It's expected, but it's not there. Read in the name of your Lord who created. There is a pronoun there that we expect to see there. Created what? Created the world? Created you? Created who? Read in the name of your Lord who created. That's it. And that's one of the uh, ways in which the Qur'an's balagha it's called hadf, which is where a word is just not there. Right? Actions are by intentions. Actions are what by intentions? So, by removing a word, it actually fills in everything possible. Read in the name of your Lord who created, period. Created what? Created everything. Created whatever you imagine. Created you. Created the knowledge that you're studying. Whatever it is is on your mind, that's what he created. Then Allah Ta'ala specifies the most noble of his creations. And the direct, the, the, the creation which is receiving his speech. خَلَقَ insan, Al-insan. The human being. Min alaq. This is why the, the Malikiya view, the creation of a baby in the womb, is not like anything else. It's special. Right? Because Allah Ta'ala speaks of it often in the Qur'an. He created the human being. Min alaq from a clot. This is one of the places and it's the first revelation pointing to the great miracle of the creation of the human being in the womb. There was a funny thing, uh, a skit I got, not a skit, I don't know what to call these things, like these like social YouTube pranks. The guy's going around with a clipboard. He said, hey, I got a, uh, a petition. Save the baby whales. The baby whales are being killed. Because of what? Nets and straws. Would you sign the petition? Yes. Okay, next page. You won't believe this, ma'am. Save the baby orangutan. Baby orangutans are being killed, right? Because of pollution and other things. We sign the Oh, yes, sign the petition. Right, they're being killed at birth. Okay, next petition, ma'am. Save the baby humans. They're being aborted in their stomachs. Oh, okay, no, no, this was a prank. This was a trick. What is this? No, I'm not signing this. Wait a second. Hey, the whale. All right. The orangutan, yes. But hey, the baby human? No. Stop there. That's the woman's right. All right. Good. The baby has no right. The whale, good. Orangutan, good. But I'm telling you, the wrath and the anger of humans towards other humans is probably a result. It's like a reflection. Right? It's a reflection of Allah's wrath. It's almost like we don't care about our own species anymore. Right? Of course, someone's going to say, oh, there's a million exceptions and purposes for abortion. Yeah, but go to the statistics, even by the liberal websites. The bulk of abortions for zina, right? By the liberal websites themselves are, are, are saying this. So don't tuck in the 0.01% time that it's valid and, and treat that as the real issue, right? In any event. So, created the human being from just a clot, all right? And that's one of many, many areas where the Qur'an mentions the creative process in the womb. Iqra' karrarahu ta'kidan. So when Allah says now, Iqra' again, Iqra' bismi rabbika ladhi khalaq khalaq al-insan min alaq. Iqra' again, emphasizing the importance of knowledge. 
Learn. Why would you learn? Because when you learn, you use your intellect. When you observe the world, the intellect and the world, it's, it will point you to a creator. It will point you to a purpose of life. There must be a purpose to this life. Okay. And your Lord will help you. He is more generous than you ever imagine. You look in the world and you see amazing things. And you realize, well, the creator of that, I'm, I can talk to? When you see some of these mountain ranges, like, wow, like, subhanAllah, the size of these things. When you see the beauty of some animals, even beauty of some humans, right? You say, that creator of that, I can speak to. Okay, I can speak to the creator of that. So Allah is telling you, I'm generous. I will give you. He's more generous than to not give you. Has he not given rizq? Has he not sustained and given everything to birds, fish, for centuries on end? And sustained universes? And sustained at the smaller level? Okay? Like the quantum level is a universe within that level. Like it's almost like a universe within you. Right? Has he not sustained all that? So then why wouldn't he sustain me and give me as well? So this creates love for your creator. When you know your creator gives you nice things. And he's generous. Al-Halim and Akram also means Halim and Jahl al-Ibad. La ya'jal alayhim bil-Uquba. Akram is in giving and forgiving. So he's forgiving to the creation. Right? So Al-Kareem, Al-Karam, is not just giving, it's in forgiving. Didn't at the conquest of Mecca. What was the word that they said to the Prophet ﷺ that made him forgive them? He said, what do you think I'm going to do with you? Sayyidina Ali whispered, no, nobody said anything. Everyone just silent. And Sayyidina Ali was looking around and said, then he whispered to a man, he said, shout out, Akhun Kareem ibn Akhun Kareem. This is the word that Yusuf's brother said to Yusuf. And Sayyidina Ali knew the Prophet ﷺ will forgive people if they evoke another Prophet. So he said, and he knew that the Prophet was just waiting for this. So the man shouted out, he said, Akhun Kareem ibn Akhun Kareem. Then everyone said, yes, Akhun Kareem ibn Akhun Kareem. A generous brother, son of a generous brother. Right? The Prophet ﷺ was so pleased with this. He says, Go for you're all free. So, Karam means forgiveness as well. Generosity is forgiveness, not holding a grudge and holding it against somebody. Okay. And then Allama bil Qalam. The pen here has been is the tool of choice for the creation for, for knowledge. Allah has chosen that. He could have chosen many other things. There were many other ways that you could learn. He didn't say he taught by the speech, by giving speeches. He taught by visions, like observation. He taught by other, could have been nailing things in. No, the pen. And some people, pedagogically, they say the best way to get your imagination going and to really introspect is to give a person an empty sheet, notebook, a paper, and a, and a pen. You're going to doodle what's in your mind. You're going to start thinking, well, what do I like? What do I want? What do I think about? You're going to doodle what's in your mind. You're going to start writing. And I think that that's far superior for the purpose of imagination. 
uh, and pulling out your imagination and helping you slowly organize your thoughts then let's say the amazing invention of the tablet which I love the tablet right but it's not good for everything it could carry so much knowledge and I love and what I love about this is I never carry a Mosaf on a plane anymore right I never carry my books anywhere because on a plane they get thrown on the ground this is haram right it's haram so you put it on a tablet though it's not a Mosaf click off there's no Quran there right it's not a Mosaf it could go on the ground it could go wherever it goes right that's what I love I can carry a library in this thing Right, except that Apple has done this thing where they put it all on the cloud by force now. You can't save it. I don't know why I can't save it on my um, on the uh, iPad itself unless they change, change the settings. But point being is that this tool, I would tell you, is not so great for imagination, the computer. Why? Because if I'm writing on the computer, there's just so many distractions. Right? You can't ever quiet your mind on the computer. If you want to quiet your mind... You have to remove distractions, right? And so I have a second computer. I went and I took a nice, uh, it was really, it's a good computer, ThinkPad, Lenovo ThinkPad with Microsoft Windows on it. And I like the old Windows. I think it's Windows like 8. I like Windows. I don't like the new Windows. I slammed it down in front of my friend. I said, break the internet. He said, what? Are you crazy? I said, well, I could just turn it off. I said, I could just turn it back on then, right? I'm not that bad at computers, right? I said, open the thing up and break the internet. Don't give it back to me until it is impossible for the internet to, to ever come onto this computer. He said, all right, you want to see? I said, no, I don't want to see because if I see, I could unsee. I mean, I could undo it. He said, all right, I'm going to do it in a way whether you see it or not, you can't get on. So he actually literally went in. I don't know what he did. You can't ever go on the internet on this computer. So that's my typing computer. If I want to type something, and I just need to quiet my thoughts and no information. How do, how do people study these days? Right? You study, but you got 50,000 tabs open. And one word, oh, I don't understand that word. Let me look it up. Oh, that leads me to one thing, to another, to another, to another. And all of a sudden, boom, an hour has passed. I don't understand how the new generation studies. It's a miracle. They've adapted. Their attention spans maybe are different, but... To me, that's it. He literally broke my internet, right? right? So I have multiple computers now. So the pen. And then lastly, I will go through. Returning all knowledge to us, to, to himself. All knowledge that we gain to himself. That's why... The scholars, when they talk about scientific, technological advancements of non-believers, they return the attribution to Allah. Because Allah says, He taught the human being, Muslim and the kafir, what you didn't know before. We didn't know that we, radio waves could pass. We didn't know that sound could pass through the air, through radio waves, with no connection. Now we got all sorts of other things passing through with no connection, right? This is an amazing discovery. They attribute it all to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they're not, uh, many scholars are not these, uh, what are they called, Luddites or something, people who hate technology? Or like anti-modern, in a sense? No, it's a question of how do you use it? And some people say, well, the technology is not neutral. I don't 
I don't necessarily believe that there's evil embedded in technology, but there is, there may be bad habits and there may be restrictions around things. That I definitely agree to, right? Uh, but ultimately, everything that has been invented by non-believers for whatever profit motives that they have or just curiosity or whatever has at, in some capacity been used to spread the truth. And that's where the scholars take a positive view on technology and science that wherever it comes out of, it's an amazing uh, science and amazing knowledge. It can and should be used right, for the benefit of others. And that's ultimately you know, our philosophy of knowledge. Uh, some of it said, Adam al Asma'a kullaha. Some said, Al insan ha huna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allama kamalam takuntanam. Alright, so, uh, we'll stop here and we will return to this, inshallah, next Monday, bi idnillahi ta'ala, and we'll turn now to Instagram and we will turn to. Uh, Instagram and YouTube. Excuse me there as I was opening up my Instagram and I have to see, you know, nature's beasts and vicious nature. That's what the type of channels that I watch. And that was a poor deer running away from a tiger, ran into a fence. The tiger didn't even know what to do. Like he's on the chase. The deer ran into a fence, fell. And the tiger just sat there looking at it, and the deer got away because the tiger was so confused. It's not how a chase is supposed to go. But those are the things that I like to look at from the creation of Allah Ta'ala. All right. What is one salah that we could do? We could do Allahumma salli wa sallim alayhi 1,000 times because it's short. Modern man seeks out difficulty today to become stronger. Yes, we seek out weights to lift. Whereas in the past, people really probably didn't do that because you were lifting water from a well, lifting animals, slaughtering, lifting, moving. So you didn't have to do that stuff in the past. Okay. Ibrahim Khan, just turn on airplane mode. Yeah, but I could turn it back off, right? If I, if I get too curious about something. That's the problem. So I need a permanent solution that cannot be altered. Uh, people saying that because of how much we've typed and we stopped type, uh, writing, people have like the handwriting is really, really bad. It's true. Ultimately, my thing is you got to have multiple devices. The solution to devices is multiple. Like these two different, these are two different devices. This is the one I carry around all the time. It's my alarm clock, emergencies. My people got to reach me all the time, right? Now it doesn't mean I answer all the time, but um, and this is for all the other needs that you have, the apps that you need. Let's see what else we got here. And likewise with computers. I need a computer just for a uh, uh, just for my my typing and a computer for regular use. 
So sometimes the actual solution is a little bit more than less. What are the reasons, says Maliki Click, for the younger generations being more weak, sensitive, less masculine? Very simple to me. Less conflict, less need. Less conflicts. And less need. Less need to do basic things. When I, uh, we went camping, some of the Shabab, and I went with them, and we had to get water by pumping water. You had to pump uh, from uh, like a well. I'm like, man, if, if we spent a month here, we'd all be jacked, right? We'd all be so physically fit because you had to walk, pump the water, bring it back. And what is one bucket of water going to do, right? Nothing. You got to go back like three, four times. These youth, some of these young kids, if they were there with us for spent like two weeks in the summer there, I'm telling you we're going to do it. We are going to make a detox camp. I want to do it badly. Maybe this summer or maybe the next summer. A detox camp. Two weeks. Two weeks in this campsite. Take your phone, put it in a bucket. No phones. Oh, mama has to call me. I have to call my mom. Fine. Ryan's flip phone. Write your numbers down. Call your mom. Talk to your mom. Okay? Other than that, you spend the whole time in the woods. Intense. Uh, their brains will give, be re- rewired. Okay. I remember they came back from the well. Yeah. <laughs> they came back from the well and they were like, I think they shut it off. Oh know. my gosh. <laughs> but they came back from the well. They didn't know how to do it because you have to pump like maybe 20 times before the water actually starts coming. So they pumped, pump, pump, and they came back and they said, no, I, I guess it shuts off at 10 o'clock. You think it's digital? <laughs> right? <laughs> Unbelievable, these people. You think it's a digital well? It's a well. There's no shutting it off. Unbelievable. The youth, they face less conflict. And also society disallows so many things. I'm like, okay, it's my son. He should like, get a, a job this summer. Just to bang around, do something, right? Oh, no. You're not allowed. You've got to be 16. 17. What? Why? Oh, because in the 20s, they abused kids. Times changed. SubhanAllah. Are the maqams of awliya places of acceptance of dua? Most people say yes. Saudi Arabia just sentenced one of the imams of the Haramain for telling the truth about modernization plans. Shouldn't the ummah protest? There's no protesting with these people. You're going to get chopped up. The guy chopped up a world-famous journalist in the middle of the city of Istanbul, got away with it. Okay. No one is... You're on a protest? Go get yourself chopped up. Protest, yeah, in our hearts, in our living rooms. But that's it. That's all you're going. You No one's standing in front of this, this, uh, this power. Okay. If the Qur'an says it's permissible to eat food of Ahlul Kitab, why do people not eat chicken at McDonald's in a Christian country? Because Moab, the Qur'an, when it says we can eat the meats of Ahlul Kitab, the assumption is slaughtered. That's what's assumed there. If the Jew and Christian slaughters the chicken or the cow, then Bismillah, Ahlul wa sahlan, eat it. Okay, but they don't slaughter anymore. Let's see who do we have here at on Instagram. Fahid, Sisik, Adizman, Shanaz, Nadia's Homes, 
real estate agent, I guess. Adil, Qasim, Muhammad Shudri, Samira. Nobody, Samira says nobody knows how to smell, spell anymore. That's totally true. You don't need, to, you don't know how to spell, and you don't need to know how to spell, because it'll just fix it for you. Totally true. My friend got a, a good, uh, maybe it's not a good thing, but yeah. for his school essays, what yeah. he would do, like a five-page essay, he would take his phone and put on a speaker and just talk into it. Like, oh, my God. And then go over the blue and red lines and hit control and change it. Are you serious? And wow. He so he wouldn't even type. <laughs> and soon we wouldn't even speak. What yeah. uh, Zuck, uh, Musk is creating, you put a chip in your head, and you don't even have to talk. Just boom. I don't think I'm going to go that route. You know that Sheikh, um, Turkish Sheikh Mahmoud Efendi? He had, uh, Rahimahullah. He was one of the old school Mashaykh. Old school. In his prime of his life, like in his 40s and 50s, TV was spreading. Right? So he swore that he would never watch TV. And he never did. He has never sat in front of a TV, Ever let alone a computer, a laptop, or a cell phone. I'd never sat in front of any. That's something else. I remember back in the day, like, history class in middle school, high school. Yeah. You take one of these, like, DBQ papers. And I remember, like, you write, like, three pages of words on a paper. Yeah. And when you're done, like, you're, I'm a lefty, so I have, like, you know, pencil all over. Oh, my yeah, yeah. It felt good, though. I felt yeah. like a champion. Yeah. Like I have these papers here. I want to take a picture of them. Yeah. wrote it all. Yes, yeah, everything's written in it. Off the computer, it doesn't feel like No, that. not at all. And it also, human handwriting, you know, there is a beauty when you get your handwriting done right. And there is something that feels really nice that you actually put this together yourself. Much more than put together a graphic on a computer, which you didn't do any of the work. Okay. Get an old Blackberry. Do they even sell those things? I would actually get an old BlackBerry because it makes texting easier. Yeah. Do they even sell these things? That's the thing. The company's out of business, right? They don't exist anymore. Oh, they don't have that, huh? Any job to recommend for a man in his early 20s? No, it depends on what you're good at, you know, and what you do. All right, more different questions here. Maham says, Pakistanis have the best cursive handwriting. Yep. Cursive as in the Arabic, like the Urdu. Madiki click. What are the reasons, we asked, we answered this, what is the ruling on living in the West as a Muslim? Well, the ruling is different from the fatwa. The ruling is that it is actually forbidden to live amongst non-believers, but the exception is that if there's a need, and that exception is probably what applies to most people to make their life here permitted, or that they were, they were born here. How do we interpret that some sheikhs, like Ibn Uthaymeen, they say that the Qur'an says the sun revolves around the earth. No, the sun revolves around the earth in our perception. Right? 
so there's two perceptions. Also, the Quran says the earth, we made it flat for you. Yeah, it is flat for us. When we walk, we don't fall off, right? You don't like curve down. It is flat for us. From our perception, it's flat. So that's not an absolute statement. And I think the sun somehow does. Like, I think someone told me in science like we, the sun isn't still. The sun itself is not still. It's the moving. sun itself is moving. So somehow it, yeah. somehow it is. Yeah, it's in one sense, the sun is itself a moving. All the solar systems are moving. They're not just sitting still. But from our perspective, from a pre-telescope perspective world, the sun is moving. There's no doubt about it. It's right in front of you, right? And the earth is flat. So from that perspective, it's the truth, right? But the Quran never said this is the ultimate final word on it. Okay. That's the interesting thing, though, is like when you try to use science to look at the Quran instead yeah. of look, use the Quran to look at science, because yeah. it, this could be something we just don't even know yet, too. That's totally true. We know what's up with the sun. That's tr- totally true, right? So, what is the truth? The Quran is the truth. The question is: Is the Quran absolute, explicit, limiting meaning exactly what you think it means? That's the real question, right? What does a hadith about fewer women reaching kamal mean? Is this about prophethood or wilaya? I believe that it is about uh, virtues in that they would not be able to do certain virtues, such as lead, go into battle, fight. So because they don't do those things, that's where the kamal is missing. But they also have other things that we don't do. Care and compassion and sabr. What's the best way, says Dino, to debunk the claim of some Muslims that say we need to believe that the Bible wasn't corrupted? What? How? Then show me the original Bible. The, the Bible wasn't corrupted does not need revelation. Observation is enough. Show me the original Bible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just basic history and observation of, of the books themselves. So show me the original one. If you're saying it's not corrupted, then show it to me. Bring all the Bibles forth. Show me in its original language. You can't even find it. So that's why that guy, he's more of an attention-getting guy than anything else, David Wood. And he said, I will challenge the Muslims. He said, give me an unexplicit or explicit verse saying the Bible itself has been altered. Because the Quran does not need to tell you what's obvious, right? But by the way, we have many such verses that they altered the book, etc. There's many. But he says, no, all of those, you can interpret them. All right, fine. But why does the Quran need to tell you something obvious? Show me the original copy. How do you deal with obsessions? How do you get rid of them? Says Ibrahim Khan. I would say, much recitation of the Quran can remove obsessions. Because an obsession, I believe, is you're trying to feed something in the heart that is... um, uh, missing, trying to fill a gap in your heart. That's what an obsession is. And so, to feed, to 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 replace it with what will truly nourish your heart, which is the word of Allah, revelation. Sr says a friend told me a long time that in the rich middle class Saudi households, children were being raised by non-Muslim maids. Oh, that's true. I can't say everybody, but for sure that's true. 
right? That there there were uh, maids raising the kids. There's no doubt about that. What's the best salawats for du'a? Much. It's to do much. If you want, there's no maybe not one specific one, but salah al-nariya is one of the great ones. You could look it up. Until the end of it. It's one of the best. No doubt about that. What is the best way to expand your Arabic vocabulary? Says Sadiq. Listen to Arabic, to scholarly lectures, and read books. That's it. When you, when you listen to scholarly lectures, and you listen to a lecture over and over and over, then um, uh, you're going to pick up new words. But try to listen to the same lecture over and over and over. Because you're gonna, your mind is going to realize, like, oh, I didn't know what that word is. I need to know. I know everything else in the sentence, but not that word. Cozy Chloe says, what are your thoughts on 313 Bedr Club thing? It's a big controversy. Uh, a Bedr Club is run by a guy who also has a GoFundMe account. So he's promising you to be a mil- teach you how to be a millionaire. All right. Six-figure salary. That's what he said. I saw the ad. Right, someone sent it to me on WhatsApp. Right, uh, but I also saw that the guy's running a GoFundMe account. So, how are you going to teach me to have a six-figure salary when you're yourself broke? Right. So, um, I'm not into these things that uh, people are just uh, promising you something that they haven't done themselves. Right, you haven't done it yourself. I love the thing. First thing is initiation. Second thing, operation second wife. You guys didn't even have your first wife, right? Who's not going to marry you, right? Unbelievable, these people. So promising something that you haven't, you haven't really done it yourself, to be honest with you, if you're going to be honest with yourself. So, want to make money? Go make money with your 313 club. But the product will, I guess, uh, speak for itself. You can get anybody, there's enough human beings in the world, you get anyone to buy something once. Right? That's the thing. But to me, that's not, that's not business. To me, successful business is when you're consistently offering a something, a product or a service, that is consistently improving people's lives. Right? In as much as objective a way as possible. you're worth to get paid. So if he's going to go and, and selling people a dream, to me, uh, that you yourself are begging on the side, but selling people that you can train them for six-figure salaries, you haven't done it for yourself. So how are you going to do it for other people? Oh, you have to have the millionaire mindset. You can't make money by a mindset. You make money by actions. Okay? By, 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 by doing stuff. Marrying... Anyone can marry today. Staying married is the hard part. Right? Anybody can get married today, one and two and wives too. There are certain countries where they're so in need, they will tolerate you and accept you. And imagine that you're some big deal. Right? Staying married happily is the hard part. So, I don't need some 20-year-old telling me how to live. Right? You don't have a single gray beard in your hair. What do you know about life? Anyway. So, anyway, they want to go and make tons of money. Go make money. Good for you. 
right? You, you swindle one person, one, everyone, one time, you're going to make a ton of money. But it's not going to be something that's, uh, you know, a long-lasting, successful business. And uh, it's the Andrew Tate, everyone following around and mimic, mimicking, you know, Hustler University and Islamizing something that they saw. What's the ruling on ring with stones? It is sunnah to wear a ring with a aqiq stone in it. Is it correct to assume Allah will guarantee worldly life when the ummah practices Islam as it should be practiced? You don't worry about the ummah for yourself that's promised. This is the M0OC. He's asking this question. And, I'm, and my response is, for, forget the ummah for yourself. It is promised. When the ummah returns to obedience of Allah, it wins politically, battles, wars, it succeeds. But for, forget the ummah. You can't control the ummah. You control yourself. If you obey the way of living that Allah gave you, He will give you a good life. Okay? And that's in the Quran, promise in the Quran. Allah says. Maham says, when I studied in Konya, Turkey, I had to sit on the floor in 40 degrees with no fan. I wasn't even old, and it was hard. Konya is in Turkey. 40 degrees, I guess, Fahrenheit. Or what do we use? Celsius? That's Celsius. So what is that for us, like 90 degrees? Which place are we going to be resurrected from? From, I guess, where we're, we're buried. That's 104. Ibn Walid, is there a basis from the Sunnah for reciting Fatiha for the dead? The basis is uh, Qiyas. The Prophet ﷺ came, a man said, his name was Sa'ad, a Sahabi. He said, O Messenger of Allah, I, my mother used to give Sadaqah, but she can't give it anymore. He said, give it on her behalf. So he took bags of wheat, he said, this is from me, and this is for Umm Sa'ad. So based on Qiyas of that, we believe in Isal al-Thawab, I could do a good deed, it can go to other people. The Malikiyah limited it to financial good deeds, sadaqah only, because that's what the Prophet did, or that's what the author said. The Shafi'iyah expanded it to dua and ibadah. So, because as you are the possessor of your good deeds, so you can recite Surah Al-Fatiha, Oh Allah, I ask for the reward of this Fatiha to go to my mother, or any Qur'an, or any dhikr. Maham says the Aladdin Jami in Konya, Rumi, was the imam of that mosque when he was 16 years old. How do you deal with obsessions? We answered that. Moab says we are not allowed to eat machine cut meat. Yes, you are allowed to eat it if they are certain. And we take the Muslim's word for it. The, the butchery, the, like the factory, is certain that the machine is cutting. That's the issue. Okay? A machine is analogous to a long knife. There's no difference. Okay? The question is, uh, is the machine doing its job? Is it actually cutting the neck properly? Okay? Such that the animal is dying being killed by a slaughter. Now the basmala, the madhahib differ on the basmala. The ahnaf require the basmala on every animal. For the, the madhikiyah, they accept one basmala for a group. 
And if you forget or you're unable to reach every single animal, one basmala is fine. And even if you were to forget the basmala, it is still valid. It's invalid if you intentionally omit the basmala. And for the shafi'iyah, it's even less of an issue because the basmala is sunnah for them. Okay? So the issue with the machine slaughtering is the question of is it actually happening? So there's a guy named Sadiq in Maryland. I called him a couple years ago. I'm probably due to call him again regarding the chicken where, that I get from my supermarket Oasis. And I, I asked him, I said, you're... I called Oasis. I said, I need the factory. They gave me the number. I called the guy. He's in Maryland. So I said, can you tell me do you, that the animal actually gets slaughtered? He said, yes. We have two guys observing the machines. If the animal doesn't get slaughtered, because let's say it wiggles. Let's say the first, just human error. Let's say it was smaller, whatever. They take it off and they throw it away. So that no meta, non-slaughtered animal, ever falls into the, the lot of slaughtered animals and we end up eating Najasa. Okay, so he gave me his word on that. And we, we accept his word. I'm not going to go say, okay, no, I don't believe you. I need to see it myself. No, Muslim you saddaq, that's a principle. Muslim tells you that, it's accepted. Unless he shows a sign of fisk. Let's say he's uh, selling alcohol at the same time. Then no, his word's not accepted. But if he's just a regular Muslim, you don't see anything out coming out of him that's false, then no. What acts of goodness can we do to get married and to stay married, says Radiant Pearl. I would say that to get married is to be in circles of knowledge because you're in circles now with people who have the same outlook of life as you. Scholarly circles of knowledge. They're in the same outlook of life. They view the world and the, and the creation and the deen in the similar light. That's one thing. Second thing is to stay married is generosity and forgiveness and time. That's the watering of your plant is time, generosity, and forgiveness. Right? A lot of respect. One of the worst signs you see people get married, they make fun of each other. They make jokes about each other. When, when you see that, this, they better qu- quit it quick or else it's going to grow into disdain. And once disdain settles between two people, that marriage is just a matter of time. Does a woman's hair need to fully get wet out of after intimacy? When a woman takes a ghusl, her hair will be wet. Yes, all water has to be poured upon her. And the scalp needs to be rubbed. But if it's a braid, then it just needs to be loosened so that water gets into it, then it can be tightened again. Is it true, Safi says, that in Medina, men had less wives than in Mecca? That is true. And they did live monogamously. They married one woman. In, Me- in, Mecca, in Medina, it was different than in Mecca. In Mecca, they were polygamous. Medina, less so. Okay. Khadija says, when you go into Umrah, inshallah, inshallah, it's December 23rd to January 1st. And of course, it's going to be announced here before anywhere else. How many buses will we fill up? Maybe three. Right? I think we could fill in three buses. And maybe we could take somebody else with us, another guide. 
One of the prophecies that people will be able to read but not write. I, uh, I need to look that up exactly to see the Arabic for that. Tosif, you can turn an iPhone into a dumb phone. Technically true, but I'm telling you, but still for me personally, maybe I'm too sensitive to this, but the light, it wakes me up too much, right? It keeps me awake too much. It gives me headaches. Like, I can't look at my iPhone. If I looked at this iPhone at, let's say, 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, I can't sleep for another hour. You the same, Ryan? When someone gives me their phone, like yeah. I need to send a message to someone, and it's this new iPhone, yeah. huge, and also the screen covers the entire phone. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. just like, it, it literally hurts my face. It hurts. Like, what? Yeah. My, my brain isn't ready for it. It's too much light. And also, yeah. I hate that because when they say, oh, I want you to read this, check this out, and the, the, the whole phone is screened, I'm like, I can't touch it, right? Because if I touch it, if I grasp it normally, I'm going to, like, move the screen or something, right? And I, I think uh, I, Apple actually... Um, to me, there's just too much going on. A thousand swipe methods, none of them work. Every Swipe up from the corner, I get a different result than I'm supposed to, right? Swipe over, swipe down. Uh, they got it too far with the swiping, and, and none of them really works. Can non-Americans join for Umrah? Yes, and we will be posting about it soon, because it's December. Sheikh Uthman Khamis, never heard of him. Uh, says for Adizman. Shaken up says in the Hanafi school if the woman has her hair in braids it is is it only the roots or the whole hair itself? Allah, Adam, I can't speak for the Hanafites. What's the ruling on seeking the opposite genders or on seeing the opposite genders aura as a medical trainee or professional says Olas Nakari. It is forbidden without dire need the whole medical school uh, question is one of them that I actually probably have to ask. And there is fatwa for it, probably. That's probably the answer you're going to get. Because a lot of things in medical school are haram. For example, the way that we do, they study the body. Cutting up actual living human, or actual human beings. There's rulings on that for us. But I have to get fat to see what the fatwa are. It's going to be by fatwa. The ruling on many of these things is prohibition. Fatwa may render it permitted in that situation. Does making dua every hour help? Yes, it does. All the time. Never stop. And have hope in Allah Ta'ala and good and optimism. I've been asking this for months now, Barakallahu Feek, for answering. No problem. Inshallah, we're going to put up the... But first, let's load up, let's get into the semester, right? After the semester cools off, and everything is cooled off, then we will announce the Umrah trip. What are the signs that Allah loves you, says Akumezi? Number one sign that Allah loves you, you start to love knowledge. You start to learn your deen and your aqidah properly and learn how he wants to be worshipped and learn how to buy and sell what to eat how to draw near to him how to deal with people all of that everything that relates to our behavior who are some of the greatest Madikiya today well there are many 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 do we still need to follow the sharia for inheritance law, if the woman has people relying upon her, 
In other words, and the answer to that is yes. The inheritance law are made for the general situation, not for exceptions. There are no exceptions to the inheritance law. The brothers, Maham says, get to hang out with the shiyuh. Women don't. Okay. And they don't get to speak to the shiyuh. But in paradise, will this be different? I believe it will be different in terms of being with the prophets. Right? Remember, there is no religious path anymore in paradise. You don't need a sheikh in paradise. But if you want to meet somebody, I assume that there, that, that there is no longer, there are no longer halal and haram in paradise. Is it blameworthy, says Safi, to do acts of worship and tawbah in order to have a dua answered? Of course not. No. We are told, worship Allah because you fear something and you want His protection. Worship Allah because you want something and you want Him to give it to you. Worship Allah because you love Him and He's worthy of that worship. All of those three are perfect iman except they're different levels of perfection. Is there someone, says Safi, who had more trials than the Prophet wasallam? The answer is no, because he was the greatest of messengers, and messengers categorically have the greatest tribulations. Right? Then he had the greatest tribulations. Now someone says, well, he wasn't blind. He never lost his legs. Some people lost all four limbs. The Messenger wasallam's trials and tribulations are not just physical. And he did not have those tribulations which would disallow him from fulfilling his message. That's why he didn't have those tribulations. But from the tribulations that the Prophet ﷺ had was the knowledge of hellfire and the knowledge that people are headed to that hellfire, to be able to see that hellfire. From the tribulations that the Prophet had is the knowledge of his grandson being killed by his own people. These are some of the tribulations all right, that were on the head of the Messenger His knowledge that the three generals that he sent to the Battle of Mu'tah would all be killed. Amongst them, his cousin and his adopted son, which now we would call his foster son, Zayd. To know and to be commanded, you must send them to that battle, knowing they would die. Imagine that. Maham says, I'm missing out here on planet Earth. What's the Bedr Club? Uh, I give this thing more attention than it is. It's just some club. Please do a Muntik course. Yeah, inshallah we will. Which one? Which one is that? The Baha'i B. Can women, can we keep repeating astaghfirullah and dhikr without wudu and without hijab? The answer is yes. But, uh, but for the recitation of the Quran as ibadah, then hijab should be worn. But for adhkar and dhikr, 
then it can be said throughout the house, walking, whatever, doing in the house, without hijab, and even just sitting without hijab. If you're sitting down for ibadah, like at a session formally, then it's better to put on hijab, yes. What if you find yourself agreeing with both aspects of the Athari and Ash'ari creeds? No harm, no foul, I guess, if it's a creed that is sound from scholars. Hmm. If you don't deal with your parents with ihsan, but the parents are satisfied with the kid's conduct, what is the standard? The standard is, what is truly in the heart of the parents? Happiness or not? Right? Some people, they have very informal relationship with their parents, and the parents accept it. That's what matters. Is the heart of the parent happy or not? Okay? And you, in your heart, do you know that you could have done more or not? That's the real question. All right, we have to leave soon, unfortunately. What about mainstream songs that don't have foul language? We also have to look at the instruments. And the four medhabs, they disallowed the use of the string instrument, the flute, and there's only one except uh, the wind instruments, one exception from the Shafi medhab about the wind instruments. That's it. But the string is forbidden across all medhabs. And the synthesized sound is for, is, takes the analogy of, or takes the ruling of what it sounds like. All right, unfortunately, all right, we have to go. Hmm. Someone says, why don't you do a life course? Uh, it's become such a played out thing, this life coaching business. Such a played out thing. Everyone, do a, take my six-week session, blah, blah, blah. Right? If uh, an animal is not slaughtered properly, can you give it to another animal? Yes, you can. So someone gives you a hamburger from Burger King or McDonald's. It's not the bi'ah. The meat has touched everything here. We're not going to eat it. We consider it najis, right? So you can give it to a dog to eat. Yes, you can put it out in nature for a raccoon to eat. Did the Prophet ever tell an uncovered woman to cover her hair? Uh, a woman did ask the Prophet wasallam uh, at the conquest of Mecca afterwards, and the Prophet did say, you must cover everything but this and this. Okay. So there is precedent for that. Well, the Quran itself, Surah An-Nur. So, and that was recited publicly. Okay. By the way, Arcview is coming around the corner, and guess what? This year we are teaching all four methods. Secured. Hanafi's Monday. Madiki's Tuesday, Shafi's Wednesday, Hamadi's Thursday. So that's the announcement for today. If you want to support this live stream, you go to uh, patreon.com backslash Safina Society, patreon.com backslash Safina Society, and you can support our um, this live stream. 
if you are a local to New Jersey, fall classes are beginning on site in the masjid. Fall classes uh, are coming up. Look at this gorgeous poster. We have a part-time program, which is the college that we're beginning. We have Oelim. We have Dean Essentials for high schoolers. Explorers for middle schoolers. Next gen for what we call here elementary school. I think they, they call it primary school. Okay. So these are the fall classes happening in our local masjid. Also, our Nothing But Facts is now streaming on Spotify. All right, so you want to check out Nothing But Facts, check it out on Spotify. All right. And if you are in New Jersey, we having the grand, we're having the grand opening of our college, inshallah. Now, it's a big thing to have a college, but you got to start somewhere, and we're starting with the part-time program. And every year, inshallah, we add a year. That's the goal. We will, inshallah, add a year every year, just like a school. Uh, how, do, how do all these Islamic schools start off? They start with kindergarten. Then the kindergartners move to first grade, so now you have kindergarten, first grade. Next year, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, all the way until you hit 12th grade. Right? It takes 13 years to get a full school. So for us, it'll take time. Right? So that it could settle in the community, be organic. All right? be something expected. You have a full college right away, just like that? No. Slowly, one thing at a time. Allah will help us. So that the grand opening, if you're from New Jersey, will not be live streamed, but it will be a grand opening. Uh, will be at NBIC. Well, maybe we can live stream it. Why not? Yeah, why, why can't we live stream it? I mean, we have all the equipment, so maybe we will live stream it on YouTube. All right, the grand opening of our theological college, which is Darul Fatih, uh, a, a, with many beautiful Esanid, chains of transmission coming down from Pakistan, from India, from Egypt, from Algeria, from Morocco, uh, keep it black, uh, from Syria. Application is now open. Uh, applications are now open if you want to study with us. Apply at darulfatih.org. All right. So again, the announcement from Arcview. Now, this is not local. This is for everyone online, and we'll start promoting that. Is that you will be able to study Hanafi or Maliki or Shafi or Hanbali fiqh. On top of that, Wednesday, Sheikh Usama will be teaching Jawharat at Tawheed in Aqidah. That is a big one. I want to attend that myself, Jawharat at Tawheed, and if you miss it, you catch the recordings. But Sheikh Usama will be teaching Jawharat at Tawheed, which is a big deal um, for us. It's a big deal for anyone who cares about the subject. So the new website, probably I'm looking at by, hopefully by Friday, the new website will be out and about. Jazakumullah khairan everyone. May Allah accept from us. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-ladhina amanu. Wa amiru al-salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq. Wa tawasaw bil-sabr. Wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa
قلب شیفا بیرام 